What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Powerhouse Mentality Podcast. I'm your host. I am Caitlin Kenna, and today we have a very special guest on. And let me kind of give you a little bit of, not a lot of background, just a little bit on kind of how I know this guy. His name is Chet. He's in our Hidden Summit Facebook community. Uh, he is coached by the one and only Eric, and he has, you're pretty new to the group, aren't you? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. When did you, uh, when did you join the Hidden Summit community? Oh, about two weeks ago. Yeah, he's, he's fresh. He's fresh. Um, but, you know, the reason why I wanted to have Chet on the podcast is because we had, we had a webinar a couple weeks ago where we spoke a lot on mindset, where we spoke a lot on why your diet is the reason why you're not losing the weight that you want and kind of, you know, focusing on each other's stories and a lot of defining moments that we have. And he spoke up and he told a lot about, you know, mental health. And I was like, you know what, Chet, I want to have you on my podcast because I want to talk about your mission. I want to talk about your story. And I kind of think that I want to do this as the more that I think about it, I want to do this with more Hidden Summit members because I think that so many of you guys have an incredible story to tell and a reason to why you're in the group. And a lot of us just want to help more people uh, by just sharing our story. So I wanted to give Chet a little bit of a platform to share how he became who he is today, what he is working towards, um, and talk about a couple of defining moments that he's had that maybe you can relate to and you can take from and learn a couple lessons from. So, Chet, welcome, welcome to the podcast. How how are you doing today? Hey, thank thank you for having me. Doing pretty well. Been a, been a long eventful day, but you know, making the best of it. Yeah, you're doing seventy five hard right now, right? Day fifty one. Day fifty one. Is this your first time doing it, or have you done it a couple times? First time. First time. So you're gonna do phase one after this? Absolutely. Hell yes. Prepare for those five minute cold showers. I'm actually on day thirty of phase one right now. I completely forgot that it, what day I was on. <laughs> yeah, I'm already trying to like get a couple of cold showers in throughout the week, so it's not a complete shock. Yeah, uh, they they definitely don't get easier. Sorry, but <laughs> so, so really, I mean that's the beauty of seventy-five balls. Oh not seventy-five easy. Yeah, I mean, I saw. Um, well, I see it all the time uh, on Instagram. You see like seventy-five easy, seventy-five medium, and I'm like, this, mm-hmm. is, so, this is such bullshit. Like, if you're compromising yeah. the program, that's the reason why you're in the don't position that you're in. Uh, but you know. One thing that I know that kind of connects us a little bit, you're from New York, ain't you? Oh, yeah. Long Island. Yeah, what part of Long Island are you from? Lemonhurst. Okay. I'm from, do you know Rockaway Beach? Mm-hmm. I'm from Rockaway Dude. Beach. Grew and, born yeah. and raised. Nice. I used to go to summer camp in the Hamptons at Bayberry. Nice. Camp Integrity. Okay. Yeah, I can I see... When I first heard you speak up, and when I hear you speak up all the time, I'm like, this dude's from New York, I know it. And then I listened to a little bit of your your audio that you sent me, which is incredible, uh, and I'm kind of excited to kind of get into more things. And I was like, this dude's from New York, and then you said it, and I was like, awesome. Uh, where are you at now? Currently live in Abilene, Texas, where I'm finishing up the uh, end of my dual master's in clinical counseling and marriage and family therapy. Okay. Yeah. So... You're kind of smart. I'm, I'm getting it. Yes. It's like, yes, and I own that. Um, it's funny because me and Eric are big nerds when it comes to nutrition, and he's like, you know, I love clients mm-hmm. like Chet 
because I can just dive into the nutrition stuff with him and he's all about it. Oh, yeah. So, my first yeah, question... Yeah, he was geeked up. Oh, yeah? When he found out that I was in there, too, he was like, oh, great. Yeah, every time I get a client like that, I'm like, fucking great, let's go. Let's dive all the way deep mm-hmm. and talk about whatever we want. So, it's awesome. And I kind of want to transition now, you know... I want to know your story, Chet. I want you to start from the beginning. I want you to kind of take me and the audience on a journey through your life and kind of a couple of defining moments, if uh, you're good with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can just approach that like I would. I was at the podium, you know, so uh, I'm an alcoholic and my name is Chet. Then God's been doing for me what I could not do for myself since April 22nd of 2011. So I have a little over uh, 11 years and change of continuous sobriety. I was born at a young age to two loving parents. Uh, raised on Long Island, New York, in a nice little three-story home. Big pool in the backyard, the whole nine. You know, big barbecues. Summer parties, pool parties, the whole nine. My dad was like a well-known member of the community. And he was <laughs> insanely particular with how the front lawn looked. So every time I had to mow the lawn, I was terrified that I was going to mess it up. And I wasn't going to do it correctly. Because he was like wicked OCA with like how the line marks were parallel to the sun rays and all this other stuff and little by slow I started recognizing his absence in my life and uh started cultivating friendships with all the men in the neighborhood unfortunately one of them happened to be a pedophile which in turn led to him grooming me with alcohol and cigarettes I didn't even like cigarettes at the time, but I definitely enjoyed the attention of, like, having cigarettes to sell on the bus. I remember selling cigarettes and, like, blow pops and, like, ads. And, uh, this is, like, 95, 96, and he was openly gay, which is not nearly as acceptable as it is today, but, um... So he asked me to reveal myself and like he would give me monetary offers to do so. But I was kind of like skeeved up by it, but I was like, yeah, no thanks. But we could definitely keep drinking. So I kept going over there to drink. You know, and the literature says that the uh, alcohol produces a phenomenon of craving. It's kind of baffling powerful, which is absolutely true. Because I continued to put myself in this uncompromising position because I knew that I got the drink. And eventually, uh, I got way too weighted out by it, so I stopped going over there all together. Fast forward a few months, my father was like, hey, I need you to mow the lawn. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do this right, so I don't do it at all. In my head, I'm thinking, this is going to prevent disaster. It's going to prevent a big argument and like a fight. He didn't see it that way. He was just disappointed that I didn't even make the attempt to do it. 
yelled at me that I was worthless and I was always going to be a piece of shit. Da, 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 da. So I'm like, yeah, I need, I need to just get hammered. So I go over to Charlie's and he's like, yeah, come on in. Hand, hand me a big yellow cup that I thought was fucking Sprite, but definitely something else in there. Next thing I know, I wake up and he's got the waivers form on the side of my face to where he's got this film on to get me where he needs me to be. Does what he wants to do. And he tells me, uh, when I want this to happen again, it'll happen. Or I'm going to let everyone know how like you're my little boyfriend and that's that. Well, I wouldn't really try and have any of that. So I was like, I'm pretty sure this is illegal and that you'll go to jail for this. He's like, yeah, but before I do, I'll be sure to let all your little friends know what's going on here. I couldn't have any of that. So I was like, yeah, sure. I guess I'll just have to come over then. And he told me how he was going to set that up. He would hold out a certain number of figures to indicate what time he wanted me to come by that evening. And that's what I did for like three months. And I finally got sick of it. After, you know, multiple suicide attempts from the shame and the horror of being convinced that everyone in school knew. And that's why they were picking on me. Not knowing that kids are just fucking assholes. But, you know, I convinced myself that everybody knew. And they were so ashamed of me and so sad for me that they just made fun of me for it. But nobody knew. So I had to stop going over it all together. Nothing ever came of it. Outside of me just being a raging alcoholic that couldn't couldn't stop drinking. Fast forward 15 years, you know, got out of the military, was homeless in New York, ended up having to come to Texas, live with my mom. I'm living in our house. Finally have a bed, which I was like super grateful for. That's why I take a lot of pride in making my bed. I was making my bed before it was like cool and like the big speech that everybody knows about. When the day start by making your bed. Oh yeah, yeah. I was doing my that's, way. That's like gratitude right there. You know, it's like one of yeah, the things I was, that you take advantage of is just even like having clean water um, or having yeah, like you go you go three to five months without a bed and a pillow. You you learn to take a lot of pride in, in having a bed and a couple of pillows. So now my bed has like ten pillows. Not because, like, I need ten pillows, but because I can. Yeah. Fuck. That's great. You know, so... I can remember coming to... I think it was April 27th of 2011. I'd gone, like, five days without drinking, doing anything, no smoking, no coke, nothing. And I wanted to die. And I was on my way to buy a gun because I figured if I just like eat a bullet, that's gonna call, that's gonna do it. So there I am on my way to the store to get a gun. And thought into my mind going to Alcoholics Anonymous, which I had no clue what it was. So I googled it, got the number, called them up. I remember it forever. It was eleven thirty-seven in the morning. The lady that answered the phone, God bless her. Have you opened door? How can we help you? I was like, I don't know if you can help, but I want to fucking die. She said, okay, cool. We have a meeting today noon, and we would love to have you. And there was something so 
powerfully like inviting in a genuine way that this lady that I had never met before said that she would love to have me somewhere because I got to the point to where I wasn't welcome anywhere so I was like yeah sure I'll be right there probably gonna take more than 23 minutes to get it going anyway so off I went and I've been making meetings ever since that's incredible too because I think right there like you think about the power of like one moment in your life how it can completely change everything and how like that one decision to make that phone call and what if like what if she didn't answer the phone right what if what if you didn't make the decision to call it's like those things that yeah. I think about a lot in my life like in those moments like shit what if I didn't do that where would my life be right now because that was back 2011 right mm-hmm. and so you still go yeah, yeah, I'm still pretty active. I've got God's blessing with the opportunity to like travel the country and speak at different conferences and share my story, you know, in a more extended way than I just did here. And, you know, let others know that whatever darkness they're in, that there's, uh, there's a way out. Yeah, and see, what I see in you, Chet, is, is something really powerful. And it's it goes into, like, you're taking the crap that happened to you early on in your life. Like, you've been through a lot, you know? You've been through a lot of bullshit that nobody should have to ever go through. But instead of allowing that to be the reason why you don't succeed in life, you're allowing it to empower you, but also you're allowing your story to help inspire other people to get out of the position that you were in. And that's fucking cool. So I want to kind of go into that and, like, talk to you about like you know what you like why you do what you do to help others and what like you want to do with that over time like what what's your mission why do you want to help and create an impact because clearly you do my mission is to have my own family therapy practice to where I uh, eradicate the stigma that's associated with shame and guilt as it relates to trauma Especially as a man that went through what I went through as a child. Uh, it's not discussing nearly as much as it should be. It happens to men just as often, if not more, than it does to women. Not that it diminishes sexual assault to females in any way. It's just not as easy. Not that it's easy for a female to discuss either. So it's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to like make my situation any more like oh my god you poor thing than anybody that's gone through sexual assault it's very difficult to discuss period but as a man it's just not as discussed yeah no I agree it's it's definitely less what we'll call it socially acceptable mm-hmm. because a lot of people you know a lot of men they want to remain masculine they don't want to feel like they're weak exactly. and they don't want to usually you know get in touch with their their emotions and that just literally can destroy your life at the end of the day because if you're not able to actually face and process these things, then it's just gonna, it's gonna eventually surface. Mm-hmm. And that's where like, you know, drugs, alcohol come into play because a lot of people use those things just to numb the pain because they don't want to deal with that processing, you know? Absolutely. And then fitness, I mean, ties way into this you know, story quite beautifully. I was kind of doing like the 
the bro lifts and you know international chest day for Monday and back in bars on Tuesday legs on Wednesday and you know uh, whatever on Thursday and then like beach day on Friday and then take the weekend off Yep, that, that is literally the typical bro split, except you were training right. legs, so you weren't an upside-down triangle. You actually had some legs to you, huh? Yeah, and then uh, I got kind of bored with that. It just wasn't as fulfilling. I was just going, like, out of habit. And then around five, five six years ago, I found CrossFit, which is funny because I always talk shit about CrossFit. Dude, you know. Like, big time. I was making memes. I was, like, posting on Twitter, like, that's where games go to die. Da, 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 da. Man, I did but the let same me fuck thing, around too. <laughs> I legit was, like, because I used to manage gyms, so I'd be in, like, you know, the corporate gyms. I'd be, like, talking shit about CrossFit. Like, oh, you don't want to do that bullshit. Like, this turf room, that's for all the crazy CrossFit people. Let's go upstairs to the weight room where the real people right. play. And now yeah. here we are. <laughs> yeah, but it was funny because then I did it. And I was like, holy shit, this is exactly what I've been missing. Yeah, that's literally how CrossFit And I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. But more on the mission, like, I want to be able to help people. Because I didn't necessarily have the help as soon as I needed it. I mean, I definitely found it exactly when I was supposed to. I'm a firm believer in, like, everybody has their own path. Everything happens for a reason. I've literally had to experience every last moment of every last, like, suicide attempt and, like, failed attempt and, like, failed relationship. All of the pain and the guilt and the shame and just the darkness that I was trapped in for so long. Like, I had to experience every last bit of that in the exact way that I did to get to the point to where I had no choice but to make that phone call that Wednesday morning that led me to the room. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. Um, I believe everything really does happen for a reason. And, you know, there are a lot of moments, horrific moments in our life that we don't understand why they happen. But then usually, like, down the line, you look back and you're like, well, if I didn't go through that, then I wouldn't be the person that I am today. And I think that a lot about, like, my eating disorder, but also, like, you know, I had a lot of, we'll say, childhood trauma with my father being addicted to Oxycontin and being very abusive to me physically and psychologically. And, you know, in that moment, I had, like, I was in hell. Like, I wanted, I tried to kill myself. That's kind of where I got into my eating disorder. Um, I, I was uh, doing self-harm. And I look back to those times and I'm like, I don't know how the fuck I got through that, but I know for a fact that, like, I would not be who I am today without those challenging times, because if you're able to navigate through that trauma and you're able to find a way through it, you're going to come out the best version of yourself, and every experience that we go through that, you know, puts that challenge on us and makes us question why, it it usually Mm -hmm. is, like, the most powerful and profound moments in our life. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, thank you for sharing that bit with me, because, you know, similar there, I dealt with body issues and body dysmorphic disorder for nearly 41 years now. 
uh, it kind of blows people away when I tell them that I'm 41. They're like, oh my god, you look so great for your age. Dude, you look incredible. Like, I didn't even know you were And I used to be like, yeah, whatever. But now I'm like, you fucking ain't right, I do. Like, I only, like, yes. Uh, not only do I look great for 41, I look great, period. Yeah, you look fucking phenomenal. You know? Because you're putting in the work. Like, you can't deny that. Exactly, yeah. And, like, it's only, and we're only just getting started. Like, you know, I was telling, I was telling Katie, like, was reading our story and she was like oh yeah you know envisioning you know elite athlete I'm like yeah you and me both it's absolutely gonna happen it's not even like if in my mind like it's more of a when yeah it's all about you know when you put in the work that's the cool part about life you know is that you're always in control of the amount of work and effort that you put into your goals and I feel like so many people they don't understand that they think like oh, I'm not good enough for greatness, so I'll just kind of settle for this. And that's kind of their own way of saying, I'm too lazy to put in the work uh, that it actually takes to get what I want. You know, and I that's why I respect you so much, because like, if I go on your social media, if I went on your Instagram story right now, I would see you putting in the work, and I'd see you leading by mm-hmm. example. And you post all the time in not just our Hidden Summit group, but on social media to help show people what the fuck is possible when you actually put in the work. And it's, it's so cool to see that, like, fitness has been such a huge part of your life um, after all of that trauma that you went through. Because I know that for me, fitness is like that, that outlet, right? It's like the, the best thing that's ever happened to me. Because not only do I have a career in it, right? But, like, it's been a way for me to, you know, get through the tough days. And I'm sure you can relate to that, huh? Without question. I mean, fitness has been, like, my mental health needs in a way, you know, it's allowed me to really tap in to mindfulness and cultivating a better contextualization of what exactly God's plan in my life is, and that's to help other people and bridge that gap, to shine light on the darkness in the world, you know, as avid reader, you know, you come to learn that Darkness is unaware of the fact that it's dark until the light is shined on it and a shadow is cast. I want to be that shadow for all the people. To let them know that they're not in it alone. Yeah, no, I feel that. I can relate to that like 100%. Like, that's why, you know, I'm working with Hidden Summit because I know that this is my opportunity mm-hmm. to help people. You know, if I can just, even with this podcast, like, I don't make from this podcast I feel like a lot of people don't understand that like people who put out podcasts like they put out podcasts to get information across or to help people to spread a mission to inspire people with stories because I'm sure like there's somebody listening to this right now I'm sure there's many people listening to this right now who are going through a really traumatic time in their life and they're listening and they're like well maybe I can go one more day maybe I can get out of this and if that's what we're able to do for somebody then this is like 100% worth it like yeah, with, with no reservation at all. If this is just one person yeah. and it gives them that last bit of hope or understanding that they're not alone, because you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, if you listen to it now and you're like, wow, I can kind of relate to that, good. If you can't relate to it, good. Yeah. But I feel like everybody's you know? <laughs> in their own way. Like, maybe they didn't go through the same thing. But everybody's been through shit. Everybody has a story. Yeah. Everybody, you know, will go through shit. Like, I know that, like, my life's not going to be perfect. Like, every day, you know, there are going to be challenging times. And 
there are going to be really horrific things that happen. But I know that because I've gone through a lot and been able to overcome a lot, that I'll be stronger for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I kind of wanted to, I wanted to ask you, because I know that, you know, you've been a part of First Form for a bit. Like, how did you, how did you initially find First Form? 